Folks, you're listening to The John DePietro Show. Joining us right now, he is a columnist with the Boston Globe, mostly focuses on Rhode Island. It is Dan McGowan. And Dan McGowan, once again, you have broken news in Roadmap. And uh, someone that I've known for a long time, and he is a Rhode Island radio legend, and that is that uh, Gio, Giovanni of Pro FM, is now set to retire. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, talk about a media institution in this stage, John. Uh, you know, I feel like... Uh, you know, every particularly young, I think women, but, but men too, you know, growing up, you know, you're, you're going to school in the car and you're listening to pro FM. Right. And so, uh, generations of, of Rhode Islanders have been listening to geo in the morning. Um, ideally they flip to John as well, but they, they, uh, you know, geo's an institution here and, uh, he's hanging it up. He says April 29th, which would, uh, which I believe is the exact date, 50 years since, uh, I believe since Pro FM launched. Um, and so, yeah, he's going to, he's finally uh, hanging it up. He told me when we talked yesterday, I got a little bit of a heads up that, that this was going to be announced. And uh, he's joking that he, he wants to go volunteer. And, you know, he says he's not being, this isn't, you know, budget cuts or anything. He says he's been thinking about it for a little while. Um, obviously, the industry, as you know, as, better than me certainly as well as anybody the industry is changing a great deal uh but what a career and you i, I just don't think you're going to get very many uh you know 50 year careers in any industry uh but especially media uh you know going forward at one place and so it's a pretty remarkable uh remarkable career for geo i mean geo walked in there as you write about dan mcgowan in 1974 and he never left in the late 70s, that's when then, you know, there was then the transition where FM started to rocket. It is interesting that you're seeing two, I mean, dominant stations, Pro-FM for a long time. They were a monster in the marketplace. Yes. But both both Pro-FM and KISS 108 in Boston, the format is not what it was. And young people now, they have other ways to listen to the music. So both of them. Uh, Kiss on a weight, and then Maddie left there, a shell of what they once were, and now, you know, you're kind of seeing that with Pro FM is certainly not the station that it once was. I remember, you know, years ago, but Pro FM had like a 16 share in the marketplace. You won't see that again, but now they're under a four. Um, it is also remarkable, Dan McGowan, in the business, in in a span of less than a year, both Geo and Kim. It's a lot of cost cutting in the industry, both, yeah. you know, shed from from Pro FM. And um, but Gio, he was there when it was owned by Cap Cities. I'll bet he even still. I mean, again, I've known him for a very long time. I'll bet he still has original stock from ABC back in these to have a profit sharing. But that's big news. Dan McGowan, let's talk about, though, you had uh, quite the piece about don't let Peter Alvidi off the hook. I, I want to start off by asking you, what were your thoughts on? The, the hearing, the oversight hearing that took place on Monday? Yeah, I didn't think we learned very much. I think if you were to say, uh, you know, if you were to analyze it sort of in how Peter Alvidi performed, if I'm Peter Alvidi, I feel like I came out of there relatively unscathed. Um, you know, the, just the format was, um, you know, I think lawmakers were really told, they, I think particularly were told two different things. One, I think they were told to keep it concise, right? Keep it tight. You know, ask, you can ask a question. Maybe you can ask a follow up, but, um, you know, let's avoid the, you know, 25 questions. Everybody's texting you with a different question, those kind of things. Um, and I think it was drilled into them by both house and Senate leadership, uh, to not make this a, you know, a, a witch hunt. Uh, and so generally speaking, I think they were not, you know, with the, with the exception, obviously the, the Republicans and a handful of others are not going to, uh, you know, not that everybody just falls in line with what the speaker or the Senate president wants, but generally that is the case. So I think he survived it. I mean, I, I, my takeaway for, for, for Peter Elvidi is, um, I think he came out of Monday uh, probably feeling better about his job security 
than uh, than maybe he felt going in. That's a little bit why I wrote the column because you know I, what I heard blindness is a different perspective than the than you know the legislators is. You know, I heard someone who wanted to say, look at everything else I've done. You know, you can't point to too many screw ups. Uh, you know, even some of the stuff with the 610, it, that's definitely had real issues. I mean, the 610's looking pretty good right now. It's, there's, you know, it's it, the, the changes that were made are, are pretty good. The, you know, uh, snow pickup and stuff like that has been, has been pretty good on the highways, things like that. But that's not. The point, I think uh, Rep Chippendale, you know, made this point. You're not here to talk about all the other good work you've done. Right. And it doesn't really matter when, you know, as I talk to you right now, I'm in bridge traffic. Wow. Right. Uh, and so, uh, you know, I think it's hard to let him off the hook. And I, I still, John, I, maybe I'm hung up on it too much, but I'm just, I, I can't get past the idea that a bunch of engineers find out uh, or this is flagged on a Friday, a te- according from his own words, a team of people, engineers, brought in over the weekend. You know, by the time Peter Elvidi finds out about this, 15 people likely knew, uh, at least, about what was going on, you know, that there was a problem with the bridge. And he doesn't get a call until, you know, the mid-afternoon and then quickly has to say, hey, Gov, you know, we got to close this thing down. Uh, I don't under, I can't fathom the the management structure over there Um that that allows this to happen it, it, just in any other scenario i think you'd have to run it up the flagpole you know peter Alvidi gets no emails and he you know he says look i'm not that you know i'm not really into the technology i like face to face oh there was no face to face nobody nobody went and talked to him right nobody called him you know uh you know in my question i suppose would be if Peter Alvidi is not going to be held accountable, who below him is going to be held accountable That's for not right. making the call? They haven't held anybody accountable at this point. Um, and, and yeah, I, I think that's the part that I can't get past. It's I'm not on a witch hunt to get Peter Alvidi. I like Peter. I think he's done, generally speaking, a perfectly fine job uh, as the DOT director. But uh, this is one of those unforgivable mistakes. And, and if you're not, if, if, if your team doesn't, you know, isn't uh, kind of in the loop enough to call you on something like this, uh, you got to make changes over there. Dan McGowan, we also learned, I think, didn't he, he had bronchitis, so he wasn't even initially in the office. But um, That's right. on Monday, would you say it's fair that they were basically sent in and it was like, just say you're sorry and then you're going to take, you know, you're going to get beat up a little bit, but at the end of the day, you're going to walk out of there. And they, you know, they, they would just say they don't have a lot of answers. They're waiting on reports. That's for the engineer. Um, Governor McKee, people should be clear. You tell me if I'm wrong. Governor McKee, if he wanted to, he could have sat there with them and answered questions, right? 100%. Yeah. Absolutely, he could have done that. And then, um, where was the coach? Where was the coach? He calls himself the coach of Rhode Island. Uh, would have been good to, to say that. By the way, now you've had Peter Alvidi apologize. You've had right early on Mayor Brett Smiley apologize. Still nothing from Governor McKee, no. who you know who who is is stubborn enough where that he he makes mistake after mistake. Um, you know, defending the times on the bridge that were that were you know how long we're waiting and you know not being there. The you know he sort of is so dismissive of, of everything that you know people are going through right now. Uh, absolutely, would have been a great moment. I would have you know what if Governor McKee had spoke some of you know in some of the ways that Peter Alvini spoke yep. on on Monday might have been a little bit of a boost to reminders yes. that you know hey I'm sorry I get it this has not been you know this has been really really difficult. Uh, instead, you know, you let Peter Alvini go out there again. He held his own. I, I don't, you know, I, I don't like the the idea of, of the timeline and you know him not knowing things like that. I think that's a. I think he should be held accountable for that. But overall, based on what he said, I don't think any lawmaker, um, at least I don't think any of the, the Democrats in power looked at this and said, "Boy, he, you know, he fumbled this away, and, and he's got to go." I, th- I think, if anything, he's probably stronger now than he was before. The Lodge Pub and Eatery, forty Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln. 
lunch, dinner, drinks in the lounge, especially this time of year. So much going on. They always have a nice crowd right there. Full bar, large dining area right there in the lounge. Easy to get to, whether it's lunch or dinner. A great meal is waiting for you at the Lodge Pub and Eatery. Think of this. Since 1994, that's right, celebrating the big anniversary this year, I'll see you at the Lodge Pub and Eatery, 40 Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln. Folks, we're speaking with Dan McGowan of the Boston Globe. has a good good piece also as well. Jack Warner is a win for Rhode Island College. I happen to agree with you, but talk a little bit about your column. Yeah, this is, you know, President Warner, who, who's been the interim. He's had this interim tag kind of hanging over him for almost two years now since uh, Frank Sanchez left uh, at Rick. And, uh, and, and finally, the state council and post-secondary education, you know, offered him the permanent, the, the, the three-year contract. We talked yesterday. You know, I think you and I talked about this last year. I, 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 I thought Jack Warner's been doing a pretty good job there. Uh, he's done a, a really good job at two different things. One was just the nuts and bolts of, of balancing the budget there, which, which included cutting some classes that really, you know, that were under-enrolled and uh, cutting some majors that didn't have a lot of uh, students uh, Seeking them, so which is very controversial, as you know, uh, among faculty and, and, and things like that. So he did a really good job of that. But then the other really important thing that he's done is he found, I think he put Rick, uh, Rick back on the state house's radar. Yes, uh, has a lot of relationships with uh, you know the House and Senate leadership. To his credit, you know, Governor McKee has kind of stood by and really wanted to help. Um, uh, Rick, they obviously have the thing with, with Congressman Langevin there at the Cyber Institute. Um, but look, a couple of years ago, I mean, you, you and I were talking about it on the radio. Uh, you had a Senate president who was extremely, uh, I would say, uh, down on President Sanchez at the time. Uh, you remember they wanted to, uh, you know, they, they in fact did end up moving to Henry Barnard, the, the, the school there. Um, and they had all kinds of financial problems and there was the message to Rick was figure it out. Uh, so they went and got somebody who figured it out and, and he's done a really good job there. And it's nice to see that because again, you know, this so well, it is a, uh, Rick is a really important institution. Let's go find, we've got Brown and we've got URI as kind of the flagship, but the average Rhode Islander can get a really good education, a four year degree and maybe more, uh, from from Rick out of there the best deal in New England, one of the best deals in the country. Uh and 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 to his credit, uh President Warner has, has really been able to implement that. I think now talking to him yesterday, his big move or his big strategy is like he's 78 years old. He jokes he's just, you know, I'm I'm still younger than President Biden. Uh so it's probably a touchy thing. I shouldn't be saying that anymore. I'm sure some Democrats gonna tell him that. But um I think, you know, his, his job now is to probably do this for three years. Maybe you get a little bit more of a contract extension, but start to think about, you know, what does the leadership there look like going forward? And how do you make sure that uh, things kind of continue to roll there uh, after he leaves? Because it's, it's probably a three-year contract and, uh, you know, essentially a one and done in some ways for, uh, for President Warner. Folks, again, we're speaking with Dan McGowan of the Boston Globe and in Roadmap. It also has links that I like to some great stories in the Boston Globe and some stories you can read about in the Boston Globe. More than 40 suspected members of a gang, Jamaica Plain, have been arrested racketeering. We haven't seen any type of rest of that large scale in quite a long time. And also, Dan McGowan, there's a link to, and I, I started seeing his TikToks. He's affiliated with MIT. His name is Lex Friedman. Then, because of the TikToks, I watch him on YouTube and I'll tell you, the guy is an absolute breakout star. Totally captivating. I'm so glad you said that. Totally captivating. Because uh, I, I, I never, sound like you, I had never heard of him. Uh, happened to catch him, I think it was on TikTok, uh, and then started to listen. And is totally captivating and is, is really kind of the star at MIT at the moment, especially given what's going on with their, their president there. Uh, we have a great little profile on him. Uh, you hit it on the head. I mean, there's a lot of good stuff in the globe. You get plenty of our Rhode Island coverage, of course, but, you know, the, the value 
add that the globe brings, I think is, uh, is really interesting kind of stories in the region, obviously all the sports out there. So, uh, definitely subscribe to roadmap. You're going to see all those links. Folks, before we tell you how you can get roadmap, Dan McCowan, I'm just curious to hear your thought that I, I, I am so impressed with the, with this PC coach from not only did they lose their best player, how he continues to rally the team. That was a big-time win against Rick Pitino at St. John's. But who would have thought less than a year ago, he didn't even know this player, and the player has his son, and Coach Kim English is the godfather to the child. That was a tremendous hire by Providence College. It continues to to dazzle and, and really, you know, this is a guy who I think you hit it on the head. Who, um, who to his credit, at, at the athletic director there at PC, Steve Napolillo was really high on him coming in. And you say, well, of course he was high on him. He hired him. You know, you, you, you better be high on him. But uh, made a lot of promises. You know, said, look, this guy is gonna, this guy is gonna be a hit. You're gonna love him. So far, we we entirely love him. And you hit it, you know, really on the head there with Josh Oduro. Uh, really, uh, what a big game coming back from his first child being born uh you know scores tw- i think it's 28 points i was there by the way uh, you know on on uh wednesday night and or excuse me tuesday night and the place to its credit was rocking uh even even with a snowstorm uh you had it you know you had people it was filled you had a lot of yelling at rick patino it felt like a big time basketball game and that was a, a must win especially after a bad loss over the weekend that uh that that pc was able to pull off there um and, and still in the hunt now you know you gotta win a couple of games you, you, you got yourself yukon and marquette i believe on the schedule which is not going to be easy but uh they're in they're in pretty good shape right now or at least they're in contention which is all you can ask for given the injuries you're on the recruiting trail you're trying to say to your parents to the parents listen i'm going to care about your son i'm going to take care of your son uh, as an example, this player made me the godfather of his firstborn child. I mean, that's a strong statement. Now, folks, you hear me mention Roadmap, and I mean it. It's a great tool. Number one, Dan McGowan's very modest. He breaks news constantly, such as Geo leaving ProFM. But on top of that, it is links to all the top uh, stories that are in the globe for that day. And Dan McGowan, if you'd be so kind to extend that offer to everyone listening. Absolutely, John. Thanks for always letting me do it. Uh, very simple, folks. Send me a blank email to rinews at globe.com. rinews at globe.com. I will sign you up. You'll start getting it for free first thing tomorrow morning. Folks, he's Dan McGowan of the Boston Globe. Dan, great job, and we'll see you out there. All right. Talk soon. Thanks, John. All your oil needs make it Henry Oil. Call Henry Oil today, 401-521-0200. Reliable, affordable fuel oil delivery. Call Henry Oil today. Fuel oil, diesel, gasoline delivery. It's Henry Oil, residential, commercial fuel oil delivery since 1947. They also have budget plans, service contracts, lock, lock and cap pricing. You can depend on Henry Oil. Call them today. 401-521-0200. Serving most of Rhode Island and Southeastern Mass. we got a long way to go with winter. Make sure that tank is filled. Call Henry Oil today. 401-521-0200. Henry Oil. A local, family-run business since 1947 that you can depend on. For all your oil needs, call Henry Oil today. 401 521 0200. You're listening to the John DePietro Show. Well, Channel 10, I want to give them uh, credit that NBC 10, they were able to get an engineer who has gone on the record with them and talking about that this person believes that there were red flags on this bridge months prior to the closure. And this is important because it cuts into the narrative that has been out there. And the the narrative essentially was that there was, you know, it was completely fine and it was fine in July. And suddenly now, all these months later, now there's, there's something wrong with it. So no one, that doesn't, I mean, that doesn't make sense 
I don't think to anyone that has been following this story, where suddenly something that was approved back in July and seemingly was fine, and now all of a sudden they, they want us to believe that there's something wrong with it. So as I've also been saying, I, um, I don't think we're going to fully know what happened with this officially, like the real story. I don't think we're going to get that until, <laughs> I think it's going to be quite some time. And then I also think that, that we may not learn a lot until the federal investigation really comes in because other than that i mean we we didn't we didn't really learn a lot on monday i'm not convinced that that was the the real nature in the goal of the whole thing i don't think it was that um i i think the real nature of of it was essentially just to put peter alvidi and some others up there but the person that Channel 10 spoke to, a crack seen months before the sudden closure should have been cause for concern. So asked by the I-team, a crack seen in July, inspection photo should have been a warning. And this engineer said, I believe so. Now he's at Arizona State University, specializes in construction material durability failure. I-team asked him to look over the inspection damage photos. He focused on the inspection photo from July of 2023 where a crack is seen near the rod that was later found in December prompting the bridge closure. He points to not just the picture but the caption under the crack in the top left. The caption mentions exposed broken rebar. With this crack, it's a sheer crack. It's worrisome because... Shear failure in beams is catastrophic because it's sudden. He also said, if this is more than cosmetic repair, this is the ability of the structural system to transmit the loads to the foundation and it doesn't seem that has worked. So again, this is an expert. Let me bring it on. This is the sound of Brian Crandall, who I think, you know, hey, I like the fact they're getting someone from the outside. I like the fact that they've um, decided to not just go with the locals. So I want to play a little bit of Brian Crandall and this engineer. With respect to the type and nature of the crack that is observed and the notes uh, that have been written in the context of the um, in the context of evaluation of the damage. So if I um, if I look at that, hold on, I just need to um, look at the picture. Um, basically, uh, what we see is that we see a, uh, a crack that's diagonal. It goes from the top left of the screen all the way down to the bottom, which basically we treat these as, as shear type of cracking. Shear force is the force that is um, collected throughout the entire length of the member as it's being loaded. And then it reacts and it transfers to the abutment. But then in the beam, when we look at it, it's like a cutting or a shearing force that pushes the material uh, from one side, stays stationary, the other side tries to move up. So that's what the shear force is. And we have a crack there. And the inspector's note says... Um, uh, up to three feet long, uh, one foot four inches wide, um, and it's on the west face. So, so the thing is, there is a six-inch deep spall and delamination. So uh, that is that is worrisome because a, a chunk of the material has fallen off, and that has actually exposed the um, re reinforcement rebars as well as the tendons to the corrosion. To the corrosion, um, and it says. Actually, it further says with exposed and broken rebar. So it, there has been enough stress there that has failed some of the rebar beyond their ultimate strength capacity. So we don't design for the failure of the rebar. Um, and that, that itself is a sign that load is not being transferred to the end of the beam. But 
the end of the beam, the load cannot go straight uh, in a horizontal way. The load has to switch and turn around and go down into the um, into the abutment. But then with this crack, as a shear crack, the um, it's it's worrisome because shear failure in beams is catastrophic because it is sudden and it doesn't. There is not much deformation until we see um, the complete failure and fracture, and that's what that's what would worry me. I see that they had fixed it before from the patchwork, even before the July inspection. So I see both on the top and the bottom there are some um, whether I don't know what what they had used, but it was just some type of a repair repair material. But the repair material um, is not really functioning at this stage because in the presence of the cracks um, no chemical is going to penetrate through the repair material they're just going to get around it um, that's the part and then at the bottom it says reduced bearing area um, of um, um, one one foot wide seven inches long so the bearing the definition of the bearing has to do with the contact area between the girder and the abutment, the section in the bottom. As you reduce that area, and it could be because of the crack, or it could be because of the fact that um, there is there is damage in there to a point that it needed the repair, um, that means that there is less area to transfer the force from the girder into the abutment. And that would mean that if area is reduced for the same force, for the same traffic load, you will have higher stresses, higher compressive stresses that are basically transmitted there. Um, I want to stop it just for a moment, folks. This, to me, gives you an idea just how complicated this is. I know there are some people going around and trying to look and examine it for themselves, but it, it's, it's very complicated. And as a result of that, that's why I don't think we're going to have an answer for quite some time. Again, that is the I-Team NBC10. I give them credit for trying. Folks, you're listening to The John DePietro Show. It's My Health, 1099, Menden Road in Cumberland, diagonally across from Davenport Restaurant. Stop in and see Marie, that historic white church. Shop local, inside, all quality products, vitamins, herbal remedies, trusted companies. They understand quality, integrity. It's My Health. It's all about your health, local products, ICE, honey, maple syrup, beef fresh gum. You know, they carry over 250 bulk herbs, teas, and spices that can be purchased by the ounce plus box herbs and teas hemp and cbd products and much more natural skincare products stop it in see marie at it's my health 1099 mended road in cumberland it's all about health for you for your family there's vitamins for children all different types of teas all different types of spices boy what a difference it'll make shop local stop it and see the queen of health it's marie and it's my health 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland, diagonally across from Davenport Restaurant, right in that historic white church. It's all about health. It's all about your health at It's My Health. You're listening to The John DePietro Show. I want to play an interview. His name is Brett Weinstein. He travels quite a bit. He's very, very knowledgeable. He did an interview on the Joe Rogan podcast. And this is a different dynamic that he is observing. He's been there. And this guy has traveled. He's very well read, uh, highly respected. I want you to listen to him describe what sounds almost like Chinese military that are moving in position to come across our border. It's a real eye-opener. I want you to listen to this. And I went to Panama Panama, where I have some history. Uh, I did my bat work on Barrow, Colorado Island in uh, Gatun Lake, the Panama Canal. So Panama is a place I, I'm familiar with, but Michael Yan invited us down to go look at the migration in the Darien province of Panama, which is the province bordering Colombia. Um, as you probably know, there's a gap in the Pan-American Highway, about 60 miles that were never built um, in this highway that otherwise stretches from Prudhoe Bay, Alaska to the southern tip of South America. And what's there is a... Uh, oh, hold on. Folks, it continues. Here we go. Sorry about that. Tremendously 
significant and very difficult jungle in the Darien Gap. So there's a national park there. And ordinarily, people do not cross the Darien Gap. It is a famously difficult obstacle. And what we see there is that the international community is encouraging a massive migration of people from South America into Central America, and that almost all of those people are ending up crossing our southern border and entering the U.S. The ones who are questioned are claiming political asylum, which is uh, not accurate. Nope. So we talked to many, many migrants, and um, the universal story amongst the migrants who would talk to us is that they were fleeing um, bad economic conditions in the direction of what looks like greater opportunity. They've been told by the international community that they should come across the Darien Gap, where many of them are not surviving the trek. Yep. It's extremely dangerous. Uh, and they're migrating north. Now, the really troubling thing, though, is Listen that that this. migration is familiar in one way. It looks a little bit like the migrations of Central Americans that migrated north when we were kids. But there is another migration. There is a migration of Chinese immigrants Listen that this. looks different, feels different, wow. and is being housed in a totally separate way in Darien for reasons that are not in any way obvious. Huh. Now, I don't know exactly what to make of that. I have hypotheses. There are no more than that. Um, but the Chinese migration is uh, not forthcoming about huh. why it is migrating. It is composed mostly of young military-aged men. There are some women present, Whoa. but it's not 50-50 by far. Wow. And the international community has arranged separate encampments. The Chinese are in many cases traveling a separate way across the Darien Gap. They're skipping some of the worst parts of it, uh, traveling by boat. And um, as I think I mentioned, they are... When asked where they're from, where they're going, why they're going, they are uninterested in talking. There's a hostility to it that I found shocking. Wow. Because for one thing, if you imagined uh, folks from almost anywhere in the world were heading to the U.S. because they didn't like the way things were in China, they feared their government, they yep. thought that there was economic opportunity, they would be curious about Americans. That's These right. are soon to be their countrymen. They would tend to be interested in talking. Right. And even if they, for some reason, because they had lived under a totalitarian regime, felt that they couldn't talk, they wouldn't be broadcasting hostility. They would be ambivalent or something. And that is not the impression that they leave when interacting with them. So I found that utterly alarming. And I came to wonder if the migration of people coming up from South America, many of whom, by the way, are not South American. There are people coming from the Middle East. We met Afghans. There are people from Iran, Yemen, all over the world. They land in Ecuador, which has no visa requirement, and then they migrate through Colombia into Central America and straight up to the U.S. But in any case, that massive migration seems to provide a, a cloak for this other migration from China, which is nothing if not mysterious. Wow. Whew. That is amazing, folks. And on top of that, the sheer number of them. He goes on to describe that it is somewhere in the vicinity that right now it's been more than 30,000 of them that are coming in. This is... I like the way he lays it out. And there's a little bit more. This is not migration, immigration. This is an invasion. Let me go back to this. Things are in play, right? Before I went to, to Panama, I thought there was a migration of people. Now I think there are, there are two. One of them's clearly a migration, and the other one could well be an invasion. So if I know that there are two things then I can put them in two categories and I can ask myself the question, why is this being allowed and why is that being allowed? The 
consensus, eh, maybe consensus is too strong, but the belief amongst many who have been on the story of the migration for years now is that this is a ploy to create voters, Democratic voters. Yep. And I don't think that's impossible. I think that's probably playing a role. Yep. I don't know how realistic it is. I don't know whether or not it is clear that um, migrants necessarily carry the uh, the likelihood of voting blue that the blue team imagines. Right. But anyway, I think that that's a plausible explanation in part, but I don't think it it really covers it. There are other hypotheses that are darker. There is talk about the possibility of trading citizenship for military service. Yeah, that is popular. That has been floated out there. But him talking about two separate groups, and one of them are strictly military, primarily aged men, and they're all Chinese. He goes on to talk about, he estimates it's at least 30,000 a year. Folks, this is how dangerous the Biden administration has put, the position they have put us in, where essentially we are allowing a full-scale invasion into our country. Really interesting stuff by Brett Weinstein. You're listening to The John DePietro Show. AJ, drywall, plaster, home improvement. Call them today for a free quote. You can also find them on Facebook, 401-323-9252. 323-9252. AJ, drywall, plasters, home improvement, frame to finish basements. What a difference it'll make in your basement. Acoustic ceilings. Look how beautiful your ceiling could be. New homes, additions. Also, commercial rehabs, painting, remodeling contact them today it's a family-run business aj drywall plaster home improvements call for a free quote what a difference they'll make in your home your ceilings floors basements 401-323-9252 what a difference beautiful walls and ceilings 401-323-9252 you can also find them on facebook it's AJ Drywall Plaster and Home Improvements for your home or business. You're listening to the John DePietro Show. I want to pick up some of the sound. There's a U.S. attorney announcing. I mean, this is the largest arrest number of gang members. You know, you think of people like the progressives and Mayor Lorza. They don't like to use the word gang. They say it's groups of individuals and people. This is the U.S. attorney now, from what I understand, there's also there's some contact they have with Rhode Island gangs, but these are 40 gang members that were arrested. Listen to this. Complaints have been unsealed in federal court, charging over 40 individuals with racketeering conspiracy, drug offenses, firearms offenses, and financial crimes, including COVID fraud and brazen organized retail theft. The defendants charged today are members and associates of the He Street Gang, which, as alleged in the court documents, has been operating for many years in and around the Mildred C. Haley Apartments in Jamaica Plain. This morning, nearly two dozen members and associates of the He Street Gang were arrested, and several other individuals who are in state and federal custody have now been charged in federal court with new offenses. In addition to the arrests, over 60 firearms were seized in the course of this investigation firearms that were used in illegal conduct such as shootings and firearms that were illegally possessed the defendants charged in the racketeering conspiracy have been alleged to have been involved in three separate murders and multiple shootings some of those shootings left innocent victims in crossfire including a nine-year-old girl who was severely injured attending a family gathering now, I think most of you are aware that the statistics around shootings and murders in Boston have continued to drop, and a ton of people deserve credit for that. But if you live in a community that's threatened with violence on a daily basis, the citywide numbers don't mean nearly as much. 
when you're when you're living in a community uh, that's racked with with threats of violence, it's your daily existence. And uh, for the people who living in in the uh, Haley apartment buildings, they were surrounded by by these gang members and associates who were engaged in this conduct, and they bragged about their violence on social media and in texts. And you can see from some of these photos, they carried high-powered weapons, they made gang signs and mocked gang rivals. One of these pictures shows defendant Ja'Kerry Myers, uh, excuse me, Ja'Kerry Lyons to my left, holding what's essentially a machine gun. It's a Glock semi-automatic pistol retrofitted with a Glock switch in the back that turns it into a fully automatic weapon. These defendants also produce music videos to allegedly promote themselves and denigrate rival gangs. In some videos, they bragged, as the documents allege, about murders the gang had committed. One line from a rap video allegedly talked about victims of the gang violence. And it says, and I quote, I can say the names, but I might make the feds come for us. Well, the feds have come for you. And we showed up with our federal and state and local partners in a highly coordinated effort to root out violence, stop gun and drug trafficking, and bring peace to this public housing development. Now, the case isn't only about violence. As you'll see in the court papers, we've alleged both COVID fraud and retail theft. Some of the defendants received thousands of dollars in fraudulent unemployment assistance. One defendant applied for unemployment assistance, as alleged, in 10 separate states, Nebraska, Kansas, Colorado, even applied for employment assistance in Guam. There are 23 separate employment claims submitted as alleged in the indictments uh, fraudulently for a company called Married to the Mop. And they submitted letters of verification that are identical and, as alleged, are fraudulent. All told, the COVID fraud in this case is over $900,000. Oh. And as you'll see... In one of these uh, posters here, the defendants bragged about buying over 100 guns with their COVID fraud money, money that was designed to help people who are dealing with the pandemic. And also on the financial crimes, the indictments allege bold retail theft, walking into stores like Nordstrom's, Victoria's Secrets, Sunglass Hut, grabbing thousands of dollars in merchandise, threatening security personnel who came up, walking out the front door with all that, all those goods. And lastly, before I close and turn it over to my colleagues here, there's one other important aspect of this case. It involves the use of juveniles to engage in the conduct alleged in these criminal complaints and indictments. Listen to this. Use of juveniles as lookouts, use of juveniles to hold guns and drugs, use of juveniles to engage in shootings. And that is a problem we're hearing about from urban police chiefs across Massachusetts and, frankly, across the country. The honest, law-abiding people who live in the Haley apartments want the same thing we all want. They want to be able to send their children off to school, out to play, without fear that they're going to be hurt or recruited into a gang. And as alleged in these indictments, there are instances where parents tried to intervene and tried to engage with the police to help get their children away from the gang. And the defendants in this case tried to intimidate and prevent that action from happening. And as Commissioner Cox is going to share in more detail, the Boston police are going to be back at the Haley Apartments this week, engaging with the community, talking to the juveniles, trying to get them into programs and services to steer them away from what they've been exposed to. But the message we want to leave for the mother who tried to intervene and get her kids away from the gang, for all the mothers and fathers and grandparents and guardians, is we're here. We're going to work tirelessly to root out these kind of problems. And we're not going to rest until we get those numbers that I talked about in terms of shootings and murders as low as possible. And lastly, an unequivocal message to anyone engaged in this type of conduct, that we're going to work together and we're not going to cease our efforts. And you got it has to end. Uh, this the only way, though, notice, the only way that they can combat it is to get the U.S. attorney involved. Now, if they could just start to focus on the cartels and what's going on south of the border. Folks, you're listening to The John DePietro Show. Do you need a good plumber? I found the best plumber. 
JMB Plumbing. Call them today. All your plumbing needs. 401 743 9153. JMB Plumbing. They've been providing plumbing services for years. Skilled professionals stand behind their work. Guarantee you will be happy. Maybe it's repairing damaged water pipes, repair clogged pipelines, maybe replace a, a water heater, as well as all your plumbing needs. Call them now. It's JMB Plumbing, 401 743 9153. Nothing throws off your life or your home or your business. When you need plumbing service, you need someone reliable, someone who's professional, someone who'll handle the job and do it right. It's JMB Plumbing. Call them today. 401-743-9153 JMB Plumbing and look for them on Facebook. You're listening to the John DePietro Show. This story, Putin continues to be a threat and this latest now, Russian nuclear weapon designed to be used in space against our satellites. Have you heard about this? Let's pick it up. This is on NBC. What he says is a serious national security threat. What? Sources telling NBC News it is related to a potential Russian nuclear weapon designed to be used in space. NBC's Ryan Nobles joins us with more on this. Ryan, good morning. Savannah, good morning. This cryptic warning by the chair of the House Intelligence Committee led to a scramble on Capitol Hill. Now, officials say there's no imminent threat, but the warning comes at a time when several pieces of legislation related to national security are stalled on Capitol Hill. An unconventional warning on Capitol Hill. Chairman Mike Turner of the House Intelligence Committee summoning his fellow members of Congress to a secure room at the Capitol to review what he called a, quote, serious national security threat. Turner wants the White House to declassify the material so it can be shared with American allies. While members of Congress refused to share what they learned, three sources familiar with the matter tell NBC News Russia is developing a space-based nuclear weapon designed to target U.S. satellites. Satellites serve as a crucial backbone for U.S. civilian communications, navigation, military operations, and intelligence gathering. The source is adding the weapon is not yet operational. The White House is reviewing its options. We believe that we can and will and are protecting the national security of the United States. On Capitol Hill, members entered the secure space but couldn't say much when they left. I think I'll allow, you know, the president and the executive branch to opine about what this means and while everyone agreed the threat is serious they told the public they did not need to worry i want to assure the american people there is no need for public alarm we are going to work together to address this matter this warning comes as a 95 billion dollar national security supplemental package which includes funding for ukraine passed the senate but is now stalled in the house Republicans insisted they won't move funding overseas until the situation at the southern border is under control. But that's not all. The House has yet to approve the reauthorization of a federal surveillance program that intel leaders believe is essential to fighting terrorism and helping support the U.S. military. Some members of the GOP believe the program encroaches too much on the average American's privacy. A planned vote for this week was postponed. And the White House will brief the so-called Gang of Eight, which is the four congressional leaders and four intel chairs and ranking members next week. They will then weigh if declassifying this information is possible. Savannah? You know, what's also interesting is Putin is now saying that he doesn't want Biden to get reelected. No, hold on. I want to get this straight. Putin is now saying that he um he wants biden that's who he wants to win the election he wants president biden because he said that and again this is this is all misinformation to me i don't believe anything that you you can't believe anything that that he is saying meaning putin but what what it comes down to is he's trying to convince people that uh, Biden, you know, has experience. He'd rather deal with him, and that he doesn't. He doesn't want Trump. That Trump is too unpredictable. I, I don't, I don't believe that. Um, he said, I, I think 
you know, this is a form of he thinks he can outwit everyone. Uh, there were obviously allegations in 2016 that Putin favored President Trump. And as a matter of fact, I, I think that was even, if I remember correctly, something that Team Trump used to tout was the fact that that he could work with him. And here was a leader that was saying that he'd be more effective. So I, I, I believe you, you, it's the opposite of everything that he says. And so if Putin says, oh, I, I would much rather deal. Um, Putin says he prefers Biden over Trump and vouches for his uh, mental ability, stating all leaders use nose cards and bump their heads sometimes. What, what that truly is, Putin endorses Biden for president. He's more predictable. So they're trying to say a vote for Biden is a vote for Putin. I, I don't I don't believe that. I don't believe that that's reality. I think it's more that they they don't want um, I, I'm seeing some information one uh, mainstream media when Putin once said something nice about Trump, there's evidence Trump is a Russian agent mainstream media when putin endorses biden he's playing kgb tricks on us this can only mean he wants trump elected i i i go with that so i don't this business that putin prefers biden it is reverse psychology that's why he's doing it and and much so putin put something out saying boy i didn't i didn't uh i didn't like that interview with with tucker carlson it is it's actually just the opposite he he loved the interview with tucker carlson so but now now look at what um now look what's i i don't believe that and and i can't believe the trump people that are out there touting this see he prefers but no i i don't believe that no look at look at what he's doing with biden in office i don't believe any of it boy this guy he is a problem he continues to be a problem. Um, he's just not going anywhere. I, I, I just, how, how much, this is uh, really remarkable. But as this is breaking, I don't believe that, I think it is reverse psychology. He wants it out there and wants to give Team Trump talking points to be able to say, he sure doesn't want Trump to be president again. Folks, you're listening to The John DePietro Show. AEP Services, they take great pride in installing fences of all kinds, vinyl, wood, aluminum, chain link, experience, quality, integrity. Call AEP Services today for a quality fence, home or business, 401-228-7190, 401-228-7190. Residential fence, commercial fence, steel, wood guard, rail, they have it all. Beautiful aluminum product, decorative landscape. It adds a lot to it for your stunning property. Call the experts today, AEP Services, 401-228-7190. Residential or commercial, why not enjoy your backyard, a little privacy, or maybe keep a pet or young children inside. Remember, they also have fences. They're resilient, water-resistant. Call today, 401-228-7190. Free quote, AEP Services. The fence experts, 401-228-7190.